The Friday night of round 13, this AFL season is a high-end encounter and it is a reprise of events from a couple of months ago. Port Adelaide and the Western Bulldogs then met at Adelaide Oval in driving rain. Tonight, the roof is closed at Marvel as they come together again. Port haven't lost since. They're in the midst of a nine-game winning streak and they've won their past eight at this venue. Well, the dogs flashed and then faded over the last couple when opportunity was really there for them to grasp. So this is one of the ones that sets up the top four as the sums are done at the end of the season. Hello and welcome to AFL Nation for Elders. When listing your property, think Elders Real Estate and for tyre power, your match day favourites for tyre safety. Jared Waitley with you. Jared Healy is with me. Hello to you, Jared. Jared, great to be here uh, because I'm really looking forward to watching Port Adelaide try and get the uh, the 10 wins in a row. Who would have thought after round three, after they'd lost twice, after an opening uh, round demolition of Brisbane, that Port Adelaide would be close enough to top of the ladder. And uh, after tonight, if they can knock off the dogs, it's 10 in a row. And all of a sudden, Ken Hinckley's flavour of the month. It's just been an amazing uh, season for them. So this should be a beauty. It's roof closed. It's perfect for both sides. It's a fast track. And when you've got some of the young guns that we've seen out there for both sides, uh, it's uh, it should be a joy tonight. Brad Johnson lived the frustration of the Bulldogs last Saturday <laughs> night, so we've made sure that he's here to see if they can set things right this Friday. Welcome to you, Jono. Uh, good evening, everyone. It's Yeah, you're right. It's the last two weeks, to be perfectly honest with you, Jared. The Gold Coast game wasn't mm. much better in terms of the, the frustrations of uh, of supporting the uh, the Bulldogs and watching them closely, of course, but... It's not bad, is it, when you're a, when you're a travelling team like Port Adelaide, and you can turn up to a venue where you've won your last eight. It's That's it's good. a great record mm. to uh, to enter this venue, knowing that you've got that ultimate confidence. It doesn't fear you one one aspect. The the opposition supporters, there's no noise of affirmation for you. Just go about your business and and away you go. How big of an advantage outside of Port Adelaide is it normally playing on this ground for the Dogs? For the Dogs playing, yeah, yeah. it's usually a, a reasonable advantage for for the Bulldogs playing here. Yeah, no question. So the only the only thing that they don't have as a as a home club here, and it's like all the the home clubs here in Victoria, is the ability to train on the ground that they mm. that they play that they call their home, and that's the that's the only aspect that they don't get at least one session a week or or one even two sessions a month on the on the ground that they uh, they call home. That'd be the same for the MCG tenants. It now would be too, no, it'd be exactly yeah. the same. Yeah, no question. But if you're a, if you're an interstate club, you can go to that venue, yep. uh, you can train there the day before, and. Um, and things like that. I'm not sure whether Port Adelaide get a run on here, for for example, or whether they have to train like other interstate clubs have done at the, whether it's at one of the um, the major high schools or or another venue, another park in Albert Park where they normally stay. Is footy different under the roof? Footy's completely different under the roof. It's more, it's more mentally than than anything, yeah. I think, because you you wake up, Jared, and it's like. You know, it's pouring rain, and you're going, "Wow, this is this is good." Especially for the forwards, it's a different, yeah, it's yeah. a different mentality. Maybe not so much for the defenders, but it is, it is pure football. It's it's clean football. It's sharp football, and you you've got to be have a, have a speed element, I think, to the way you set yourself up to play here at Marvel. So, Jono, you and I are just going to sit back because if there are two men who can find the right counterpoint to untenable, we are in the best yes, imaginable hands. Dwayne Russell, good evening. I like where the boys are going. So, Jono and Jerry, you're suggesting that they should take this game to Ballarat, where it's about four degrees tonight and make Port uncomfortable. <laughs> exactly what happened to the Adelaide Crows a few weeks ago down there. Yeah. This will be fun tonight. And if you're Port Adelaide, why wouldn't you want to come to the venue that's got a roof? I mean, it's the, it's the exciting place to come if you're if you're an away team mm. and you're going well and you play the kind of footy that is conducive to dry weather footy, important play that kind of game. So why wouldn't they be excited about getting here? And I think they have played that kind of game on and off a bit under Ken Hinckley to the point that it doesn't surprise me they've got a good record here. But it is a comfortable place to play, I agree with you, on, on teams that move the ball Ironically, well. given their win-loss ratio, they're actually more adept right now with the side they got in to play this ground than mm. probably they have been even through their winning run. 
So for Port Adelaide, they're in this phenomenal stretch. It's now the club record. Yep. Uh, I didn't. I regret that I didn't hear Warren Treadray, but he's on the ban list. I'm surprised he hasn't banned himself for months, given his his terrible read from round three <laughs> to where things are now. Uh, it's a it, it's it is a remarkable Jared, stretch. Seriously, now, who would have thought? You jumped the gun that badly. <laughs> it was, an early, it was an early jump. It was a it Find was a rock. It Hang was on, a there are some people who do this kind of thing and then say they were the reason so why. Maybe. So I've, I've known many a journal who's written a story and said, well, that was what was going to happen. But because I wrote the story, people read the story, and the whole story changed. Maybe this is all changed on the back well, of it's the Warren. Reverse curse. Well, maybe I need to do that for the Bulldogs. They've lost two in a row. I'm yeah. flat. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm angry. <laughs> Come on, dogs. How long did the Kenneth Curse run for? Kenneth Curse ran for a while. It did. Did, it get un- did it get untenable? Did it get Yeah, terrible? well, it did. And there's there's been people that have said stuff about their teams. I don't want to raise one of them, but... Uh, there was a team that won a flag a couple of years ago where they had a person high up that said something about them. That people have got upset about at the time, but the the end result is that regardless of of what Warren said, oh, I don't I don't mind his right to have an opinion. I mean, he's a pretty good. He was a great player of the club. He's one of their all time greats. He had an opinion, and a lot of the fans were upset. I've said it a few times. I don't think the fans don't. I don't think the fans dislike Ken Hinckley. They just dislike losing. So there was that frustration there. And Port Adelaide had plateaued for a couple of years. And when you lose a showdown, there's nothing that rattles a cage more than losing a showdown. So, yeah, all the parameters were there for that kind of statement. But, yeah, the response has been phenomenal. Some underlying layers as well, I think, that, that yeah, added that's to right. that. the board and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Exactly. Do, do you think, just if we cast our minds forward to the MCG last day of September... Do you think if Ken Hinckley wins, oh. he might grab the tie? <laughs> <laughs> now, that would be nice because that was another one. Absolutely. Because that, that was one for Mark Williams. There's no doubt whatsoever. Now, did that, change the, did that change his mindset? Well, given what he did on grand final day, maybe it did affect his thinking to the point that I'm going to prove you wrong. Well, who knows? I mean, it might end up, all end up today, but uh, right, right now, Port Adelaide are playing some of the best footy that mm. we've seen for a long, long time. Their yeah. midfield... Their midfield uh, is so exciting and they're going to have to do a good job because Port, the Bulldogs midfield's fantastic as well. The beauty about Port Adelaide, though, is we know they're capable of going all the way. They've got a couple of holes, but uh, a lot of clubs have got a couple of holes. But if that midfield dominates and uh, they just sort of uh, do enough in defence, then uh, they've got the forward line, they've got the reserves. You look at their omissions tonight, they're, uh, they're high-quality omissions, so... This is a this is a really exciting time if you're a Port Adelaide fan. Yeah, if you got if you can't find a spot for Burton, yep. Ollie Lord's been really mm. good. Mm. Riley Bonner's been pretty good over time as well, and the captain Tom Jonas can't get in. That's well, you and I go back to the fish John West rejects as yep. one of the great ads on TV. <laughs> yeah. That's what makes John West the best. But, <laughs> and that's that's the thing that Port Adelaide's got right now. They've got good selection pressure, and so many fans. We've talked about it a bit. So many fans of their team think, okay, well, if he's getting a game for us, we're not going to win today. And everyone has that guy. Port Adelaide at the moment doesn't have a guy like that. Speaking of selection mm. pressure, um, Luke Beveridge, he loves swinging the axe, Jono. Uh, in today, Keith, Bruce, Vandermeer and West. But, uh, I mean, two key defenders are out and two key defenders mm. are in. And Oscar Baker, I think, is, is probably on the stiffish side uh, going out. I didn't see... Uh, his game enough last night to think it was, you know, last week, I should mm. say, to see it, it was that bad. But, uh, geez, but he's been good for the dogs. He's been very good. But, yeah, you're right. It's that's the Well, that's the element around the tools the dogs do have, the luxury they have to try and get that right mix happening in the in the defensive end of the ground. And they've now got Keith back in and, and Bruce, who get the opportunity next to Liam Jones, who will be the mainstay for the remainder of the year. And look, there's, there's going to be pressure on. Look, I think, I think it's a, it's a big night for, for James O'Donnell in his, in his fifth game. He hasn't really, you know, shot the lights out in his, in his um, first four and he's had his debut, had a chance to settle now. So I think five games in, this is his opportunity to really sort of either take a spot or if he doesn't, then he could be under some pressure himself. And it's probably going to be about how they defend tonight. The Bulldogs last week, they probably should have won that game. And yet, uh, Liam Jones got taken up the ground by Tom Hawkins. They were exposed and uh, they slipped in, in behind him and they weren't good enough in, de- in defence. I mean, it's, that's the reason why Bevo has uh, reacted. But they're going to be, I suspect, uh, given the same challenge tonight. They'll be challenged on turnover, no, no question. It's just how where they turn it over and how they, how they play. And that's why it's sort of, you know, I get the sense that 
and we mentioned this on, on Wednesday night, Jared, around the Brisbane Lions game here in, in round three, where Brisbane scored 53 points against the Bulldogs. And it was just one of those, one of those nights where the dogs just locked them away mm. and didn't allow them to score. So from that perspective of a free-flowing game, I'm not sure whether we'll see that tonight. I think we'll get more, we'll get more than more, one goal at a quarter time, won't we? Possibly, yeah. Well, because last night. Yeah, it was the last is that, time. Is that going to be set to Mars already? Yeah, or is, it, not, is it due I, to go? I hope the yeah. standard's a bit better than that, but I think it'll be more a defensive aspect around what the Dogs will, will hopefully produce tonight to to restrict the power because we, they can score quickly. You're a wrestling and fight fan, Jared. No, the, I like my violence foe. Okay, real. right. <laughs> the, the, crab re, the crab boxer fight against Muhammad Ali, did mm. they get the vision? Did they buy the vision of that oh, and that it's been banished? Choice. It's not allowed to be played any... Is that, did they buy that vision, the, I'm the not Ali sure camp? I've never seen that in my lifetime. You've never seen it? I don't think so. I rushed home from school to watch that. Right. So for those who and didn't it was, see I mean, it. I almost rushed back to school. It was that bad. <laughs> I, so the guy was on his, his hands and feet, sort of crab walking yeah. the canvas, fighting the greatest fighter of all time. And I think they've bought the vision and it's never allowed to be shown right. again. That's my... <laughs> understanding of what might have happened. So maybe they'll do that with the yeah. first quarter last, last night. Equivalent. I mean, that uh, Muhammad Ali didn't throw a punch and the other guy didn't do a wrestle hold. I mean, it was a, it was a, a non-contact boxing match. What was the, the more recent silly one we had? Mayweather and um, McGregor, where at one stage he just bopped him on the top of the head. We all paid 60 bucks for that. Yeah. Yeah. So. What were we thinking? Um, John O'Dyne knows the dogs for us. Yeah, the dogs, have, would. the dogs have been, on oh, the last couple of weeks, uh, it's more been the, the missed opportunity to really secure themselves inside, you know, the top four and really challenge for that. And that, that's all it's been from my, my perspective. Their, their ball use hasn't been um, great at times and they've been, they've been really hurt on turnover from the opposition. I think the opposite mids have, have got on top of, of the Bulldogs mids and been able to set them up in the forward half of the ground and expose some some defenders that, that haven't been up to it or defensive structures that just haven't worked effectively effectively for the dogs. And and so there, it's just a lack of, of opportunity. And that's why last week I was big on the fact of their mental state of they have to be a ruthless approach against the Cats who turned the tables on them in the same fashion. Their youngsters, Tanner Bruin and the like, Ollie Henry, they were more aggressive than what the dogs were and they get they get exposed that way. That was their big opportunity last week. Now... Do they, yes, they have a chance tonight to turn it around against a side-sitting second on the ladder. And does that assist in, in forgiving one of the losses over the last couple of weeks? Yes, yes, it will, because they play North Melbourne the following week and should clean that one up. And that, that just turns the tables a little bit. But we can't lose sight of the way they've played the last two weeks and how they fell into that leading into the, into the back half of the season. I know it's off topic, but North Melbourne are going to beat somebody in the top eight at some stage. So no, no, they North, are, they okay. are a trap ready to, no, they're not. to go off. No, they're not? <laughs> no, I don't think. I think they'll produce good performances like they did against the Bombers. And that was an outstanding game yeah. of footy. I loved it. Loved it. But no, it's not Make a trap. A they're not a trap side. for me. They're right. not a trap for me. Not at all. So, <laughs> it'll get replayed. Yeah, it will. <laughs> Let's just lock that one away. That's beautiful. <laughs> in two well, weeks' time. Do they play, <laughs> they play the dogs any time <laughs> yeah, in the next month? Right, there you go. There you go. Uh, so that's how it sets if up they, for tonight. If North Melbourne go out and fight the Bulldogs based on that, then <laughs> no, that's but, worse than anything. But it's fun for us to replay stuff <laughs> no, of like course that. it is. Especially if North beat them, Jared. Mm. <laughs> the Bulldogs and Port Adelaide ahead of us tonight. Is on the phone? <laughs> you might not be in the eight by then, no. Jono, anyway. Yeah, we'll, yeah, true. We'll look, look back into last night. We're still awaiting the MRO's verdict on a, a couple of dangerous tackles, which has sort of been the major talking point of the day. Uh, and we'll keep tabs on the cricket as we go through as well. Tomorrow's car is available today, a selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models are in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. Beat free, Mandel. <laughs> How long ago was that? <laughs> Round two, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, was that the end of Sydney last night, Jared? Well, they beat uh, Sydney for their finals. Didn't, didn't they beat Sydney as well? North? <laughs> I swear they did. They did. Yeah, but as Dwayne's little little remark that got got missed was that the dogs might not even be in the eight. Well, how many weeks time? You don't want to lose any more, you guys. <laughs> It'd be hard to see the Swans making the eight from here. Yeah. It's, uh, they had the opportunities last night. would never look comfortable. No, they didn't play good football at all. I mean, the first quarter was horrible. Good 20 minutes in the third, second quarter. And then after that, it was, I mean, St Kilda were a bit tough around the ball. Won the contested ball. Um, you know, up forward, they couldn't quite get it done. Probably on the wrong end of a couple of umpiring decisions. But if you're only scoring eight goals, well, 
you know, little things can impact you greatly. So they've got some work to do. I mean, they should be looking at a, a bit of a review and a plan of uh, where they're going to over the next year or so. They've got a lot of good young talent. But there's, there's some old blokes that are going to disappear shortly as well. So there's going to be some challenges up there for the short term after being such exciting. I mean, that was one of the all-time great efforts last year to, to make a grand final. And I, and I know it fell apart badly on grand final day, but it doesn't take away the efforts of Longmire in that group. But to get to the next one is, is going to be a challenge. We'll go further with that with Jared Healy and Brad Johnson as we work our way through our pregame. The Bulldogs Chief Executive Amit Baines is with us in the box. Amit, great to have you on AFL Nation. Thanks for having me, Jared. We were just talk, talking the dogs with that sort of emotional call with Jono. Are you just living the frustrations of the moment of striving to become the team that you aspire to be and grab that place in the top four in the last two weeks have been rather agonising on that front? Yeah, I think you've summed it up well. I think the, the positive coming out of it, and I suppose leading into tonight, is we feel we're playing really well and it's been a good couple of months, but the last two weeks in particular haven't finished off our work. And last week it wasn't just the goal kicking, probably some of the field kicking that resulted in turnover goals as well. Should you be ready to be that top four team? Oh, I think we, as you say, rightly aspire to be that given the, the talent that we have and the capabilities that we feel we have. So absolutely, um, they're games that we need to, to win. We didn't get it done and tonight's a, a huge uh, challenge and opportunity. Big night, big night, big weekend as well. A meet celebrating 140 years of, of the footy club. It's, it's massive. Yeah, tomorrow night, the Hall of Fame. So, you know, a, a wonderful opportunity to induct... Uh, a few more, we know, worthy recipients and elevate others into legend status. So um, a wonderful weekend for the footy club and hoping to get the, the weekend started right tonight. Do you, do you pick games for Hall of Fame nights to be held after, sort of maximising your chance for a win? Um, <laughs> oh, I, th- I think if you could predict that, you'd be a genius. I think the way it works in practice is finding a, a Friday night game that you can then have a function on the okay. Saturday night, and it appeases uh, Bevo and Chris Grant from a scheduling perspective. Now, speaking of Bevo and, and Granny, they must be happy. In fact, the players must be just out of their skin this week. The fact they're back at the Wit Noble, back on this pristine deck that I've heard about for the last six weeks. Oh, they have been, and, and our AFLW program as well. We've just been quick to warn them that this week will be as good as it gets from here on in, given no one's been on it for about eight months. But certainly, um, not only given the players a lift, but I reckon the staff at the club as well, just being able to go outside on the balcony and watch training again, you know, you get that feel that you're a, a football club. I went and saw my old uh, club doctor, Jake Landsberger, who works in Droop Street, uh, <laughs> Bulldog Land, and uh, went past the Bulldogs. Um, the Witten Oval on, uh, what was it, Wednesday or Tuesday to get my flu shot. There's a lot of building going on. It's going to be an awesome precinct. Yeah, it's uh, it's transformational is the way we describe yeah. it, Jerry. But as, as you saw, you know, some of those structures are, are really significant. The indoor training yeah. field, um, you know, that's almost 50 metres long, 40 metres across and 13 metres high. So you can envisage that structure and even the lights. Um, you know, our, our old light towers at Witten Oval yeah. were yeah. about 23 metres and the new ones are 55. So, yeah, definitely uh, visible from the Westgate now. That's why it's important, isn't it, Jared, to celebrate these moments oh, like absolutely. 140 years because you look back at what it was. It wasn't that long ago. 25 years ago, ago, it was you completely... didn't have that part for the spa, John. Yeah. They couldn't get the spa <laughs> yeah, going for about right. six months. We, you know, there were, there were a lot of things going on. We were having our ice bars in kiddie pools, you know, things like that, that now the players get the, the luxury of just a, elite facilities. Uh, it's fantastic. And, you know, all of our players and staff are very grateful. I think the stories that, you know, Granny and even Darcy, who's on our board, share where, you know, whoever got to, to uh, training first had to sweep the rats out of the weights room. Um, so whether they're embellishing that or not, I think... No, no, gives... it was true. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> it happened. Certainly gives the players and staff a sense of perspective as well. Have you kept the old coach's box on probably what's now known <laughs> as the Doug Hawkins wing for heritage reasons? That one used to have to climb up a ladder that uh, right now would be... <laughs> Mick Mouldhouse's. Well, right now you wouldn't be able to get near it for uh, safety reasons. No, long, long demolished. Long Jared. demolished. It's been a while since I've been there. Sam Darcy can't take you a trip. Can you would have bought it, Well, it could have. It could have been a penthouse. Uh, no, look, disappointing. Um, you know, second game back for Sam. Had a really good game. Mm. Um, probably a little bit symptomatic of the senior team. Kick one five, but had a really strong presence and trained on Monday and reported some soreness in his jaw still and went off and got a scan and unfortunately had a small fracture. So he won't resume until after the bye. But the poor kid's finding different ways to, to injure himself at the moment. <laughs> Can I ask you about uh, the whereabouts? I put an APB out for him the other day. Couldn't <laughs> find him anywhere. Bukakamas. No, we saw him play here 
early last year, and he was superb off the halfback flank. And I know not you're not the coach, but uh, gee, he's a talent not to be getting some sort of look in. Yeah, look, he's he's had some really strong form at VFL level as well. Played predominantly forward this year yeah. um, in a VFL sense. I think we've had um, two or three positional changes this year that's sort of shuffled it um, a little bit and players are finding their feet a bit. Obviously, Josh Bruce is the other one that changed ends of the ground and back in the team today. But, yeah, it's been a little bit hard for, for him um, and a couple of others to get in. There are some changes this week, obviously, that have given some opportunities to, to some guys that have been toiling, like Riley West. So hopefully Buku's opportunity is not too far away. Was Caleb Poulter not far away? With, with Ed Richards being out and, and obviously JJ with his hamstring as well, was, was Poulter one that was close from what your discussions would have been internally? Um, look, I wasn't in the, the match committee meeting this week, but I think there, you know, certainly um, Hayden Crozier, who's an emergency tonight, course, and yep. Luke Cleary, uh, another young player who's played really well at VFL level, probably ahead for the, the halfback position at yep. the moment. The, you'll play a big role in setting the top end of the market for a Ruckman Amit in the near future with the Tim English contract. There was the report out of the West today, which... Who's, who's to say, but $5 million for f- for five years, uh, Geelong's bid for Sean Darcy. What what would the top end for the best ruckman in the competition be? Yeah, look, I think it's a, a difficult one to answer definitively only because it depends on the overall cap space that the club that's acquiring that player has or the club that's keeping that player has. But um, we know with Tim, he's been outstanding this year and... Um, we do have some bias, but I think he'd be in front in the All-Australian Stakes, out of contract next year, and um, no doubt Sam Power and the team have got a bit of work <laughs> to do to, to, to get that done. But in saying that, Tim's you know, really loving um, the club and his teammates at the moment, and you know, it's, it's no wonder that he's playing the way he is. He's just really settled and happy. So could the best ruckman in the competition command a million dollars? I think it's conceivable. Look, I, again, I don't know what the numbers were, but all the media reports at the time suggested that Brodie Grundy was around that mark um, already. So if that's happened once before, then clearly can happen again. But it actually got Collingwood into a lot of trouble, and therefore they had to move him on. So that the, I guess the overall question is, and you've arguably got the best player in the, grand, on, in, in the competition in the bond. How much can you pay these guys before you... Rob yourself a chance of playing in a premiership. Yeah, and, and that's that's not only the question, but that's the answer. It's the the delicate balance, and yeah. you know, for us, Sam Power um, does a wonderful job in that space because you ultimately need to keep them all. You're not winning yeah. a premiership off one, two, three, four players, and I think history will show that. You know, last year's premier, a great example, Geelong. That no yeah. doubt there are players playing there that are under market value, but they do it for a range of reasons, and success is up there. Yeah. Halfway mark of the season, Amit, what's your overall assessment? Yeah, of us specifically? Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, we obviously started the year in a disappointing fashion, the Melbourne game, the St Kilda game in particular, and that was a big inflection point for us and um, coming off better form ahead of this game. But, um, you know, Jared and I have spoken about that uh, previously around that Brisbane game being, you know, a just get it done sort of night. Mm. And, um, tonight's not necessarily quite that way, but but not far off in terms of just playing a really outstanding opponent. Um, you know, blown a couple of opportunities and just need to get the, the win right. But I think by and large, the last 10 weeks, we played really good footy. The only other loss we had in that period was um, ironically to Port. And, mm. you know, we led with about 10 minutes to go, but they were a bit stronger at the end and we didn't quite get it done. So I think Overall, we're, we're really pleased with how the season's unfolded. It's just the frustration of not taking the chances that were in front of us the last two weeks. Is it odd in the season? So we're only eight rounds on from when you first played Port to be playing them again? <laughs> oh, it is. It is. And, and then you look at some of the opponents that you haven't played yet, um, and it's not a, um, a statement on wanting to play them or anything, but West Coast we don't play till the second last game of the year. So, um, yeah, they're the vagaries of the, the fixture at different times, and you just play who's in front of you. But in some ways tonight is, is a wonderful test for us, given the last two weeks and the form that Port's in. That's a theory. It wouldn't be the worst idea to play everybody once and then double up with it. <laughs> well, they'd have to do we, we won't complain because we don't have the old game that gets fixtured in every year. Take them off everyone else and happily subscribe <laughs> to that theory, Jared. Amit, good to have you here. Good luck for tonight. Thanks, gents. Amit Baines is the Western Bulldogs' chief executive. He's here ahead of the match against Port Adelaide. So it's the Bulldogs' home game. And Port, uh, they met in round five. It was gather round in driving rain at Adelaide the power in the last quarter with a surge to win by 14 points. This is our pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles Trade providing specialist advice for Titans.
Friday night footy coming up in round 13. It's the Western Bulldogs and Port Adelaide. Our Friday night presenting partner is Penright Oil and your local Repco authorised service. Jared Waitley, Dwayne Russell, Jared Healy, Brad Johnson with you in the box. We've been joined by the Bulldogs Chief Executive. We're heading down into the Port Adelaide coaching camp now with Nathan Bassett. Nathan, great to have you with us on AFL Nation. Thank you. What's at the core of this nine-game winning streak? Yeah, I think it's the consistency of the pressure that we put on the opposition combined with, you know, the growth that we've had from some of our younger people, particularly through the midfield, that uh, has helped us, you know, get over the line in a lot of close games. Does it, can you feel it permeate through the group, group week on week on week? I think there's strong belief in, in terms of who we are and, and how we have to play. The challenge is doing it week in, week out. And, you know, we've sort of snuck or, or battled our way over the line in, in quite a few tighter games in the last nine weeks. And hopefully we can keep doing it. And Bass, it just seems like you've got that luxury of, of form over reputation, which very rarely happens throughout an AFL season. Yeah, it's nice to keep introducing younger people into the side. Josh Sin plays his third game of AFL footy and only the second time he started tonight. So, you know, with, to have him come in the side, to be able to have, you know, Dylan Williams at 22 playing 10 games and Miles Bergman, Kane Farrell, Lockie Jones all playing de in defence. You know, it's nice to have a, a young core that you can see growing into being a, a very good team in the future. Speaking of Josh Sin, he's got some fantastic athletic traits as, as well. He gets a serious crack tonight, which is, which is great for him. What do you ask of him tonight, Bass? Yeah, I think it's the, the contest and it's his power that, that you know, separates him, his ability to come out the other side and, and accelerate away from people. So, you know, if he can keep doing the job that he needs to do where, where he's normally playing on the winger at half back, if he can keep getting up and down the ground and giving us good shape on the field, give us some of that ball use and, and power to come out the front and, and get us driving the ball inside 50, then he's doing a good job. Nathan, we've been really impressed by uh, Ollie Lord. He's out today. Did, did you think about keeping him in or is it just too unbalanced if so? Yeah, we'd get a little bit unbalanced with four tools in the forward line. And Ollie's been a, a great competitor and he brings the ball to ground and he's been really good to work with for, for a young man that hadn't played a heap of footy three years ago. So, you know, he'll go back to the SNFL. And we know we've got some excellent depth there uh, if required. And, you know, we're pretty happy today to have Charlie Dixon back in the side as well. Are you a little worried about your height in defence with what the Bulldogs can throw at you from a personnel point of view tonight? Uh, well, I, I think, you know, we've got people that play tall and I think we've got some nice aerial assisters. So certainly Norton is a very good player and, and jumps at the ball. Uh, Lobb is clearly very tall and, and uses it, you know, regularly. So they do have a couple of taller options. Jamara Hugo-Hagen jumps at the ball well uh, but you know it's probably more separation guys more than contested markers other than probably Aaron Norton so if our guys can be in the good positions and we get some aerial support then we should be okay. What's your greatest concern in the back half of the season outside of injuries if you if you thought there was a weakness in your team what do you need to address? Well, I don't know if I want to give that away Jared. <laughs> um, well you know, I'll tell you what champion data say they say <laughs> that uh, you're most vulnerable when your defenders have to defend one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, well, I think that's been certainly a focus uh, moving into the season is defending one-on-one -on -one less. You know, we, last year, we defended one-on-one, -on -one, you know, as I think, the most in the competition. Yeah. So we, we tried to reduce those one-on-one -on -one numbers and, and get some more legs into the defence where we can both defend those, the full ground ball movement but ensure that we can get the extra there in aerial support more often. Bass, how much time do you actually spend in match committee talking about Dan Houston? Normally, it's the last three or four players, but this, this guy can play multiple roles in in a really excellent and efficient way for you guys? Yeah, Dan, Dan sort of shifted his role uh, early in the season and, and, you know, he's probably played more of the Darcy Byrne-Jones role, uh, you know, since round three. And, well, he's done a great job in defence. So he's a, he's a good leader in the back half and uh, his ball use and ability to clean things up and, and, and help out in uh, defence has been outstanding. Miles Bergman's another one who's come, come on amazingly this year. Um, He's mainly, I think, uh, made the, the big jump across the half-back line. But I noticed last week in particular that you, you pushed him up to the wing, named on a wing, not that that matters. Uh, is he just a floater between the two positions or are you trying to set him up to play more wing for the back half of the season? Look, I, th I think we'll try and set him up to be have a consistent area or consistent place that he plays in yep. uh, to give him the best chance of success. So whether that's on the wing, whether that's at half-back, uh, you know, he's got some great intercepting skills. Uh, he moves so well and, and he helps us in our full ground defence. Yeah, Miles has got a lot 
uh, to offer the team. So, you know, we've shuffled him a little bit the last two weeks, especially yep. being short on forwards. But, uh, you know, hopefully we can settle him down for the rest of the year. He's been a hell of a player for you this season. Uh, you'd love to get him signed up. Yeah, look, I, 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 we certainly would. He's been uh, very good for us. He's, he's a good young man to work with. He's still got a lot, long way to go in terms of what sort of footballer that he can be. Uh, but I love what I'm seeing so far. Bass, how did you set the team up following last week's game? And I'm talking about in terms of the review process because you did you focus on first half, second half, a combination? Because of the wins in a row, you don't want to gloss over things that, you, that you're doing or that you need to improve on as well? Yeah, well, it was more a positive review uh, than probably looking at the last quarter and three minutes where, you know, where Hawthorne did most of their damage. I mean, there's, there was some room uh, for us to improve in terms of around our contest and... Uh, in, in our full ground defence at that stage. But the first half was, you know, pretty electric. It was as good a footy as we've played uh, in a long time. And to, to move the ball like we did to, to be as dominant in the front half as we were, you know, there was a lot to like about how we played that first half. What, what fatigues a group more, playing attacking footy or a defensive brand of footy setting up the <laughs> ground defensively? Well, I, the numbers would say the first half last week. Yeah. We, we cooked ourselves... In the first three quarters, we hit some numbers that we haven't hit before, and uh, and we paid the price in it's the last quarter. So, you know, probably taking Scott off, uh, Scott Lyson off didn't help, but it certainly helps us in the in the longer run in terms of keeping him fresher tonight, knowing that he's got a big challenge in English. It's an inter- it's an interesting one, isn't it, Bass? Because you you want to start so well, and your starts have been so good in recent times, but then it's then it's controlling the players so they don't keep you know pushing forward for a, attack full full for the full amount of time. Yeah, our pressure was huge. Um, you know, we raised the ball. You know, I think we kicked six goals from our, our back 50 in the first half. Like, we kicked about six goals from the back 50 all season before the weekend. We did it in a half. So, it's a lot more longer running and, and a lot of high-speed running that the guys did last week. So, you know, probably took it out of them. We, we did have some slower moments where we tried to slow the game down because uh, it was just hard to keep up. Were you set, Drew, to go to someone at stoppages? Uh, look, uh, there's definitely be a chance. He certainly does a good job uh, generally when he goes to someone and, and the Western Bulldogs have a lot of good midfielders. Nathan, good to have you with us ahead of tonight's encounter. Good luck to make it 10. Thank you. Nathan Bassett, Port Adelaide assistant coach, down on the boundary with us. I wouldn't be surprised if Drew was set for someone. I had him on the show yesterday. gave me absolutely nothing <laughs> in his answer to that question. So... Uh, yeah, that was an indicator. And it's interesting to hear a team admit that they took Lysette off at halftime last week with English yep. in mind this week, that a team at halftime of one game is already thinking of the game ahead. What are you hoping, Dwayne, that he'd say, yeah, I'm going to Bont, I'm going to dominate the Bont, I'm well, going to do this and this and this and this to him? Everybody has, the right to, everybody has the right to um, answer the questions as they like, and I, it's a privilege to have them on. But at one stage there, I thought if I asked him his favourite colour, he might not want to tell me. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Dan Butler has been issued a one-match ban for his tackle on uh, Nick Blakey last night. We will discuss that next on our pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles supporting Tylers. Friday night footy from Marvel, the Western Bulldogs and Port Adelaide at 7th versus 2nd. Last night, St Kilda... Just came good after the bye, sunk Sydney a little bit deeper into the mire. AFL Nation is for Elders Real Estate and for Barbecues Galore Shop. Now, the main talking point separate to the result or Buddy Franklin's goal, which moved him fourth all time, was would Dan Butler be suspended when the MRO finished his work on a dangerous tackle on Nick Blakey? And the answer is yes. It's come back as careless, uh, medium impact and high with the head hitting the ground and Butler has been given a one-match ban. Uh, which I'm sure will get tested on Tuesday night at the tribunal. Just uh, around the table, what do we all what do we all feel? I'm not surprised he was suspended, given what we've seen beforehand, and I won't be surprised if he gets off. It's it's a bit of an unknown territory at the moment. So the medium impact side of it is because his head hits the hits the ground, but he goes off under a HIA protocol, but then passes that test. So how yep. do we? Land at medium, Jared. Uh, so he had to leave the field to be assessed. Okay. So that's medium, and then yep. damage takes you to high, and, yes. and full-on concussion would take you to severe. Okay. Well, I, I personally think that Dan Butler is is unlucky in this situation. Watching it back a few times today, I th- I think that Blakey steps. I think he gets tapped, and his body actually turns in a different angle. And Butler has to come with the speed that he that he does. He's chasing him down. He's trying to turn the the ball over. I don't think he he tackles with any force or extra 
extra momentum than what he had in terms of his own speed. Yes, he pinned the arms. Did he mean to do that? I don't think he did in this situation. It's just done the way that it unfolded in that in that decision of, of coming in with speed to, to lay that tackle of a Sydney player that was, you know, trying to get away um, from a situation. Right. Yeah, I didn't think the force was unrealistic or excessive in the circumstance. And I know that his head did hit the ground. He went off under the protocol. But the fact that he also didn't end up being subbed out due to concussion, I thought, gave the MRO an out. But as I said today, whether the MRO and the AFL wants to give an out for that one is the big question. Obviously not. And we'll now see what the tribunal says if it does get challenged. And we'll all be wiser from it. I mean, these test cases are all making us wiser week by week on a lot of stuff that's happening in the game right now because this is a really fast-tracked evolution to protect the head. I mean, we're all sort of learning on the run here and maybe the, play, the players are learning on the run and, you know, me as a broadcaster is learning on the run. I, I thought the MRO had an out to let him off, um, but every case is slightly different as well and that's what makes it harder to align with other cases. So there's two aspects that, that have been established through the tribunal this year. One is... Did he show a split second of care and thus not breach the duty of care? What's the answer be, to that? Uh, you'd be hard-pressed to make that case. Two, did, did he, he release the Except for the, the fact that I would argue that he, he tried to tackle as legally and as, as well without hurting the guy as possible, I think, in the approach to the tackle yeah, as opposed but, to the, with the tackle itself. Okay, but that's not the parameter that was... So the parameter that was laid in Laird was once he'd laid the tackle, yeah, did he, he, did he decelerated, yeah. and that was his yep, split second of that. care. Yep. And the second is, did he release the pinned arm mm. in a manner that would have allowed Blakey to protect himself on the way down? So those are the two we know would work, and do either of those apply? So it does apply in a way to me because did he have an alternative? Maybe not to pin that arm. So was there any other alternative to tackle a different way? Maybe. But as Jono said, it's in that split second, you're probably just thinking tackle as opposed to don't pin an arm, don't pin an arm. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It was actually interesting to listen to the commentary as well last night because Daisy spoke around the fact that the clubs were presented what was acceptable and what wasn't acceptable. Yeah, we haven't seen that video, so have we, we? We haven't seen yeah. it, and I'm sure the well, public would love on to, night on to see that as well. Oh, so okay. yeah, there, there you go. There were about 10, 10 tackles. There you go. So they were visibly different to the tackles, like if you line them up together and go, these are the 19 that have resulted in suspensions and mm. these are the 10 that are the A-grade case, is you can visibly pick the difference between those. So two. do you think you'll get off? Um, I, he, he was always going to get suspended, yeah. that much yeah. I know. Clear. So I don't know because where he, this doesn't fit in with the majority of them, yeah. that's where the Chera case was different. Chera had a completely different case to make uh, than the previous 17, and they made that case well. This is different because it is the chase-down tackle, and we haven't seen mm. one of those fit in with the 19 suspensions yet. I, I just asked myself, Jared, how... With the, with the players now thinking on a chase-down tackle, which is different, which again... Which we heard about I, three I years ago, but it was a completely different one, the face-plant forward yep. tackle. Because momentum's, going, because the momentum's yeah. going the way that it is in, in that forward motion... I'm, I'm finding it difficult to understand how a player is going to change the technique of tackling that way when you are running a player down with momentum going that way. It's like you need to grab him and slide your feet under him so that you bring him back on, on you, which is well, which in some ways can put yourself under, you know, the pressure of, of, getting, of getting injured. So yeah. the, I think the this is what's missing at the moment. I know that uh, the AFL sent out a, a, a you know, dossier of, of uh, tackles, etc., but, we're, but as Dwayne said, we're trying to learn by evolution here. They're mm. not saying this is how you should tackle in this circumstance. I mean, in that circumstances, if the AFL don't want you to take the body to ground, well, then they should come out and say that because that's probably the only way that you're going to prevent that head hitting the ground in that circumstance because he was, he was open. He, was, he had no real awareness of where he was, so he wasn't able to protect himself or, or be aware. But... Are they, are they actually asking the players to decelerate they, before he impossible. gets the tackle? Well, that's well, impossible. That's what they should be saying if he gets suspended because otherwise we are left with so you any you, outcome. And that's where, that's where you're chasing a player down and all of a sudden you've got to decelerate, which gives him a chance to accelerate. No, no, decelerate on, on the way down. No, no, on the tackle. Yeah. But you're going to have to decelerate. The ball came out as soon as you hit him. Yeah, I understand that. But you're going to have to decelerate before your tackle for your own momentum as well. 
So I, the, I don't know how many rundown tackles there have been this year, but this is the first one where, where a player's head has mm. ended up into the turf. Yep. So was it absolutely essential that it well, had to end that way? Well, in the turf. Nobody else has managed to mm. affect that for the whole course possibly, of the season. Possibly, but he did land on his shoulders first. Technique's going to be important here going forward as well, because if that happens in the future, you're going to have to go lower. So maybe you don't hit the higher part of his centre of gravity to take him head down. You hit him more hip. That's and, hard, and that's hard to I know well. it's hard, but yeah, everyone's yeah. changing their tackle technique this year anyway. I agree. So maybe you're just going to have to go lower, go hip, not pin an arm. That's just going to have to be the future. But not pinning an arm is something that's foreign to players for the last 10 years because stopping a player from handballing is something they've been mm. trained to do. Yep. So now well, all of a sudden if you're telling a player, go the hips, go low, go the almost the, the actual centre of gravity or lower than that, to try and stop the head from being the thing that propels into the ground and don't pin an arm. That's a completely different tackle technique they're going to have mm. to learn. Well, and that's, that's going to be a challenge, it is I think, as well. But I, no question the players have adjusted. I, I think they've done a great job to this point to adjust the way they are entering the, the tackle situations. Yeah, we're, we knew we were still going to have these scenarios come up, but overall the players have grasped exactly what they need to do. It's just these odd these ones that come up now that... We have these debates over because in a football sense, it's just adjusting our mindset to how they're actually going to execute better in these scenarios. It's unique, so it, it gets tested on Tuesday night. You do have to adjust where you tackle centre of gravity-wise, whether you're tackling. I mean, if you're tackling Caleb Daniel, you know you have to go a lot lower in that mm. instance. If you're tackling a tall guy, you can go, you know, a little bit higher. So players are already attuned to that kind of thing, but maybe they're going to have to be more attuned to it. Yep. What did you think of St Kilda last night, Jono? <laughs> St Kilda, I thought they were great last night. The way that they were, their second half in particular was was very strong, I thought, as a, as a football club because they were under pressure in that second quarter. The Swans were right on top of them, playing some excellent footy through the corridor. And then the way they just sort of closed the game up again but then had their scoring ability to go off the, off the back of it, I thought, was, I thought was excellent. I thought King was a, was a, was a pretty good presence up forward with his, with his height um, as well. Oh, it was a gutsy effort by St Kilda when I thought the Swans were vulnerable. No Parker and uh, no Mills and a couple of uh, injured players out of defence. So they're always very vulnerable. But when they were well on top with 40 seconds of play remaining uh, before half-time. And just conceding those last two goals mm. before half-time was a real kick in the guts to Sydney. And uh, it would have been a real fill-up. I mean, you go into the half-time break full of momentum. Ross puts up the statistics and says, look, you've been smacked around the ball. Let's get to work here which they did, um, and they came out. And, you know, it was a 50-50 game until the last uh, probably 10 minutes, but they just looked like they were a bit hungrier than Sydney last night, and, and, and ultimately that counted. The, the two 50-metre penalties at the start of the last quarter, so you talk about the kick in the guts, yeah. that was it. Both players were <laughs> absolutely culpable, I think, for not knowing the rule, then how it was implemented is a different discussion. Yeah, certainly uh, the Sheldrick one was... He just looked asleep when he uh, just waltzed in. The other one, I'm not sure whether the umpire gave him a warning or not. I, I, I don't know if they're... Uh, Goulden, you mean? Goulden, standing yeah. in front. He did stand three metres in front of the mark, though. The Although mark, was, the mark know, was on 50. Well, no, it's a metre behind 50. Metre behind 50. When does he complete the mark? Yeah. So when he first touches it or, or after he's no, kept it No, I thought he completed control. it. Well, I said right on 50, just outside 50. Yeah. And Goulden, Goulden stood... around the gauntlet. Yeah, I think he stood well in front. Alec. Okay. He came in well, when he wasn't in the contest. Yeah. He came in and he stood, well, I think, yeah. well ahead yeah. of where the mark was taken and he took his chances yeah. and he which, lost. Which is where it's a personality test, isn't it? Who's a smart aleck and who have mm. I warned earlier? Who's been doing this all night? Uh, uh, as you, opposed to the actual incident itself. Well, but, mm. but if you are ahead of the mark, it's 100% on you. And then if the umpire says, come back mm. and you don't flinch, mm. you go, but mate, that, come on, let's, bad luck to you. That has been consistent over the last few weeks that if you're standing, if you come in in front of the mark, yeah. they're pulling you back straight away. Some so it's more, on you as players. Some are more militant than others. Though, some are, but I've seen, it, I've seen it quite often. must mm. be just the games that I'm doing. And they've, they've called that. So it's on the players again. If you're coming in, you're resetting further back and getting called to stand forward rather than trying to get dragged back by the umpire. Let's get to the Viet Ingham issue, though, from last night. What's that? The plethora of push in the backs. I thought he was going to say the, the, the streaker getting away, but then didn't get away. <laughs> well, he was only a faux streaker anyway. <laughs> but it's good to see. Now, Now, hopefully uh, we see it more consistently because one thing you should be able to do in this game is play in front and not uh, be shoved out of the way. <laughs> the push in the back. It was it was tight last night. Properly, it was. Properly adjudicated. Properly adjudicated. To the, there point was an adjustment memo, last to, the, to the point that there's been a memo 
Oh, I've got no idea. I've been giving him one every no, week. No, I for know three that. Years. But do you think we're going to see it across the whole round, or was that an, an outlier? No, last last, night? last week they they paid more. I think I think there's been, there's a, been a I think there's been a video Jared's sent got, out with Jared's right. commentary to all the okay. clubs, and the umpires are on board. I, I just think some umpires are good at it, and some umpires are terrible at it. And you could nearly write down which ones are really yeah, good at it, and which one let them go. The world to make that, and if you it? get a critical mass of three of them who are really good at it, yeah. you end up with a set of decisions that you don't get on a different day. I think the other thing we've found too is Jared Healy still has major oh, influence yeah, in the yeah, AFL. Major influence. Yeah, up high on the list when the record puts it out this year. <laughs> Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel. All-wheel drive models are in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. So we've heard from both teams. Uh, we will um, be broader through our discussions as what else lies in store across round 13 of this season as we look towards the King's birthday on Monday as the final point of it. Jared Healy and Brad Johnson, part of our Friday night team, where our presenting partner is Penrite Oil and your local Repco authorised service. Friday night footy in round 13. Things got underway in Sydney last night with St Kilda's victory over the Swans. Now we come to Marvel where the roof is closed and the Western Bulldogs and Port Adelaide are poised to do battle. The teams are unchanged. The subs are Oscar Baker and Riley Bonner uh, in the way that the teams have been listed. AFL Nation is for Elders Real Estate and for barbecues galore, shop now. Jared Waitley and Dwayne Russell to call it for you. Jared Healy and Brad Johnson in place as we look more broadly at the issues kicking around at the moment. So I noticed that. So Geelong have refuted the the report out of Western Australia that they've offered five million for five years for Sean Darcy, which just doesn't fit with what they would no, do. No. That would be a huge departure. Um, but the idea of how much money you spend on your ruckman, yep. we were talking to a meat Baines a little bit earlier around Tim English. And really, the, the prime example in front of us is from the moment Collingwood gave Grundy the million dollars, they resented it. Mm. And it ended up being a divorce which was wretchedly unfair on the player. Yep. Because all he did was sign the contract yes. that Collingwood was happy to offer. Well, it's, it's a really interesting question. How much your money do you spend on anybody, let alone a ruckman? I mean, if you've got a Max Gorn type, I mean, he's, he's, very, he's every bit as valuable as a Bontempelli type. Uh, you could argue, potentially, if he keeps going as he's going, English exactly the same. And uh, certainly what Fremantle have got is, uh, is a very valuable piece of the premiership puzzle. But just how much do you put to one piece of the puzzle is baffling. You know, there's, there's, there's lots of arguments about the Ruckman, how effective they are. But if they're effective around the ground like English is, as well as Max Gorn is. I mean, Max Gorn is more effective now around the ground than he is at, at the hitouts in, in many respects. So uh, it's a real challenge. But a million bucks is... It's probably a million bucks on the next CBA agreement as much as anything. And, you know, I spoke to Andrew Mackey today. He didn't raise it at all. So <laughs> that, was, that was difficult. He wanted to talk about a share price. It was nowhere near a million dollars. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it would be a massive contract. And it's a, it's a big coup if you could drag him out of there. So with... When you guys think about player contracts and, and where players sit within clubs, there's talk around that some some believe that the very good should get the, the best should get paid more and the, the yeah. ones that are just starting out and filling the list in that bottom sort of tier should be paid less than what they're getting now. Some some argue that it should be the exact balance that we that we have. Impossible to have that you know, to have that real knowledge. I mean you look at Geelong, we don't know what uh, their top four or five players are getting, but we are of the view that they're getting less than what the free market would have. But that's mm. the same with just about any premiership era. There's always there's always the view that the, the top guys are taking a little bit less. Mm. They get more down the track because they're you know they're premiership players, so their endorsements go up and so it's it's not just the one figure, but it's it's the conundrum that all clubs face to get off the bottom of the ladder. You've got to offer big guys big money mm. to get you off the bottom and then if they're long term deals they can they can hang around but it's as I think it was Chris Scott said last year. The the TPP is the most important puzzle in the game, isn't? It? I think well, I think we're years away from seeing a ruckman come through like we're seeing with Tim English at the moment, though. And that's I think that's where the Bulldogs sit and the rest of competition sit in terms of throwing him a decent deal for that particular reason. So yeah, there's some good ruckman coming in the competition, but 
what Tim English and the level he is going to with his work around the ground and his ability to um, to play as as the ruckman, as a marking player now, which he's added to his game and now obviously break through and use the ball with, with great skill as well, has set him apart this season. And I think it will continue to set him apart, mate, apart for the next five years of, so of his career. In the structure where Bontempelli is one, mm. is are you, would you be happy if English was two? Yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with Tim English being number two now. And because you can see what, the club is going to get for the next, or any club, but in particular the Bulldogs, will get for the next four to five years from Tim English. It won't be a drop-off. It will be a consistent standard. You can see it if he stays injury-free and has the luck the luck of the draw that way. And that's that's where it becomes, I think, now for the Bulldogs. I think it's Bond and English, and they can build a premiership team around those two players in, in particular. But if you're building a premiership side in Fremantle, they've, they've paid Jackson, you know, big money, speculative money, mm-hmm. but... I don't think it's a million dollars. I don't know. That's, but, but that's the difference between English and Jackson is yeah. oh, you know what you're going to get for the next five years from English. Jackson's still a work in progress. So they've got Darcy, and, and Darcy is, if he's not the equivalent of uh, English, he's, he's thereabouts. I mean, he's not around the ground, but he is he is he's improved out of sight, Sean Darcy. Yeah. So what do you got to pay him to keep him? Sean Darcy. Yeah. I mean, I think, what's, what's the difference between a five by a million? I think, it's a couple, I think it's a couple of hundred thousand difference between Darcy and, and English on the open market. And then if you've got... So I reckon Jackson is a million okay. as it goes along. Yeah. Yes, as it goes along. Oh, yeah. You can only yeah. talk averages, though. Yep. So when you get to the years where Jackson's on a million, how much can you pay Darcy? Like, can you have Darcy on 850 and have 1.85 locked up in your ruck position? No. But it's not just your ruck position. I mean, you're paying Jackson potentially to be ruck midfield forward. I mean, that's, he's not going to be your first ruckman. So, you know, Darcy's their first ruckman and, and will be, I think, unless he leaves. Mm. And they're going to hope that Jackson becomes, you know, a, not just a pinch hitter in the forward line, but becomes an unusual player that he, he plays a utility role that he may make his own. And, and, and maybe... Uh, that's uh, the value for Jackson. That's the value in his contract is, is the multiple roles that he can perform, hope, hopefully for Fremantle at an elite level. I find the same you know, challenge for Tom DeConing because I don't see Tom DeConing necessarily as a number one ruckman. He, he may be. He doesn't look strong enough to me, but you know, he may be competitive enough in the ruck and demolish you around the ground. Now, that's a good enough result and maybe an even better result. Uh, he's certainly a potential of being a forward ruck, without any doubt. He could be an A-grade forward ruck, but... How much you pay him to keep him without him actually of doing it is is or to to pinch him to your club is a real challenge, a bit like Jackson. So when we get to Monday and we have this great case study in front of us, as Melbourne aren't paying all of Gaunt, no. uh, Grundy's contract, but you've got two high price A grade All Australian ruckmen on one side of it, and then you've got the more money ball approach mm. of Cameron and Cox and what it looks like yeah. when the two teams come mm. together. Yeah, and I mean you just can't base that assessment on winners or losses. Because a lot of uh, the ruckman's work will be, um, you know, glorified by what happens at ground level by other people. But I mean, you look at the champion data numbers. Max is best this year is when Grundy wasn't playing, and Grundy's best this year was when Max wasn't playing. So there's still a long way, I think, from finding out the formula, the best formula, the best chemistry. You get the best out of both of them. What do we think come Monday? And what we'll learn when Melbourne and Collingwood play? Oh, I think it's it's, it's going to be a great game of footy. Uh, it's going to be a, a privilege to be there and be able to witness it live. I think it's, uh, I, I think from a from a Melbourne point of view, the the combination is set up to work with with Gorn and Grundy. I think they'll they'll set themselves in particular to make sure that they doing everything possible for the Cameron Cox combination from from Collingwood to take that completely down, and and look. So you think design is what they'll go with for Simon Goodwin because that's the asset they brought in to try and maximise a difference. So you think they'll design their whole style on Monday to make sure that they accentuate that difference? I think they'll, I think they'll set those two up to give them the best opportunity. Which is what Grundy starts. Which I think Grundy starts, and, and, and I think Grundy and I think Gorn works centre back and controls that part. But does he start the, the forward line then? Because it sounds like Gorn's giving Grundy the opening bounce. Mm. So Gorn yep. starting forward next to Van Royen. That's a different look to what we've seen. Now, see, and I, that's, and that's what made Melbourne play so well last week. They didn't have Tom McDonald down there, and Van Royen gets the rising star because he was able to roam a little mm. bit more. He wasn't getting smashed by three of them jumping all over him. He had a chance for his actual skill set to 
to come to the table last week. So they've got to be really careful with that. Tom McDonald's struggling to get a game and prove his worth. Gorn's not. So if Gorn's playing next to Van Royen, I think it works better. Mm, but I think Gorn, I think Gorn as a forward needs to play 40, 35 to 70 out because mm. Gorn's best shots at goal are when he's launching yeah. from 50. So take him out of the goal square, get him out of that spot and actually put him in, in a role that gets him up the ground a little bit more as a forward. Yeah, it has been the, the real challenge for them to work out their forward line based on them working out their ruck. Yeah. Mm. And they haven't been able to do it. And they haven't been able to do it because Petty's not there. And I think Petty's their preferred extra forward. But they struggled in defence a couple of times when they didn't have the third tool down there. Um, they worked, seemed to work that out a bit better last week. So Melbourne's the one that's got all the artillery. They've just got to work out the chemistry of it. Mm. This is AFL Nation, our pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. They've got what you need. Our Friday night presenting partner on AFL Nation is Penrite Oil and your local Repco authorised service. Port Adelaide and the Bulldogs going through their warm-ups down below us at the moment. The subs uh, have spun out at Oscar Baker and Riley Bonner for tonight's match. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models. They're in stock. Ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. Do you think the CEO-elect will slam the table and tell Seven that this game should have started four minutes ago? Yeah. I hope Next year. Next year. Yeah. 7.20 is fine. 7.20, okay. Yep. We went at 7.10 last night. 7.20 is perfectly fine. Yeah. With the one exception if there's a WA team playing here, maybe. Because in Adelaide, it's half an hour. And you'll get that fixed at the end of the year anyway because you're rattling that cage of <laughs> getting them on Melbourne time. <laughs> but it doesn't make any difference to Adelaide. Well, either that or we could go on Adelaide time. It doesn't <laughs> really matter. Point. Yeah, so we go to 7.40 next Thursday with mm. the game in Adelaide. So 7.10 Adelaide, 7.40 Melbourne. So the little adjustments made. When it's in Perth, that's different. But I think it, when it's on the yeah. east coast, it's yeah, a exactly. 7.20 starting point. Yep. It's just, we just have to do it. It has to be done. Every Thursday mm. night and Fridays at 7.20. Mm. I mean, you, you look around here, and I know Port Adelaide uh, are a travelling team, so you can't expect them to have the same as a, as a Melbourne-based team, but it's just too long a wait from 5 o'clock in the city where people leave work, and we, we understand that not many people work on Fridays in the city at the present time, but maybe it'll go back to normal at some stage. But it's like to kick it off at 8 o'clock, three-hour wait. It's, uh, I hear, occasionally I hear people say it needs to be late because they've got to drive home, get their kids and get back in, but... I still think you can get there by 7 o'clock. Will we ever see Nick Nat play again, do you think? Starting to worry about it. He's had an Achilles mm. for a long time now. He's a big man. He's uh, 33 next year. It's, uh, it's a shame that we haven't seen him, you know, enough in the last couple of years. And it's a shame he didn't get to play in that 2018 grand final premiership. But uh, he's, he's thrilled us with a lot of uh, great footy over the years. But, mm. gee, it's been a big loss, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's been huge, and it would be disappointing if we don't get to see, yeah. see him again. I think everyone in the footy world has loved what he's been able to, to, to do and revolutionise the ruck work at times. And, um, you know, it'll, it'll always go in history for, for me the way that, you know, Jared, and it's not just pumping you up, but the, you're right in the, your assessment of the flipper and the flopper, the over-the-topper and the yeah. showstopper. He had it all. <laughs> it, was, it was brilliant yep. the way that, that you assess that because that's exactly the way he played the game in in the ruck, well, he, he actually brought the the actual Liata hit out to you know it had a statistical bearing on the game. Whereas, I mean, they may not have won all the hit outs, and they may not have won all the clearances, but his hit outs to advantage score scored more than anybody else, anybody, any other ruckman's mm. hit outs to advantage, and it was it was by quite a long way. And, yep. and his his capacity, and people said he only. He used to get it eight times or 12 times a game. Yes, but they're all clearances. That's why he got his own clearances. He hit it to others, and he, he cleared his own ground ball, mm. which, which made him a much more valuable player than people gave him credit for because of his stats. Achilles can be a nasty thing. Though. Shocking. I, I experienced it in my last year, and I couldn't get over it. until I actually, It was quite funny. Until I actually stopped playing and then did nothing for about a month, and have never felt it again. So it was obviously the, the load aspect of things, but it was interesting because yep. I chased the healing of that Achilles in my last year, trying to maybe, um, you know, get, get through and go, go again, but just couldn't, just couldn't do it. So it's an interesting one, the, the Achilles and the inflammation. Sometimes you're better off rupturing the, the goddamn mm. thing so that you can heal it and, uh, and, and get yourself back that way. Yeah, I had it uh, for three years. Mm. Um, 
this is post footy and it took chemicals to fix it. Yeah. And the chemicals I took, he wouldn't be able to take. No. Right. And, that, but that, and that's the thing. But I used to sleep. Honestly, I used to sleep in a. Do you want to clarify that at all? <laughs> no, no, just move well, on. Well, I was allowed to take them. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, so I'm not playing. You football. are. You were, they were yeah. chemicals you were allowed to take. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to clarify that <laughs> no, part of it. No. Prescription. Yeah. <laughs> but he wouldn't be able to take No. But that's the thing. I used to sleep in a, in a brace, so my. Achilles was on stretch the whole yeah. time because in the morning was the worst when you'd wake up and you'd be have a relaxed foot and that first movement you'd, you'd honestly squeal. Um, so and you'd come home from games and you'd crawl through the front door like that's how. But then you'd chase it, you know. I went to the AIS and I did this and I did that. And I went to a tendon flicker, and in the end, it did nothing until I physically stopped training for for a month. Yeah. <laughs> So tell me, does it, is it scar tissue that re-tears? Once upon a time, they used to put, what, Dacron? It was the, yeah, it was the add, sheath. Yeah, yeah. The inflammation of the, the sheath around right. it. Yeah. Which is no good. Mm. No good at all. What's so. Taylor Walker's place in the scheme of things, Dwayne? You're going to call his 250th uh, I tomorrow. Am. And we know he's had that bad moment where uh, it was horrible and it shouldn't have happened and he's wiser for it. So let's just put that aside. Uh, he has been... Amazingly durable and consistent as a player. He's an accurate kick. He's a reliable player in terms of what he's been able to deliver. Um, I think in terms... He's never kicked more than seven. So he's got this goal tally that's... Well, it's 500-odd goals now. He's got this goal tally over 250 games that is you know, pretty high up without having kicked the big couple of scores like a lot of goal kickers have. So... No, he's been exceptional, and he played a year in Norwood before he even got a game in the AFL team. I think Neil Craig was there. He kicked 56 goals for Norwood in the Sandville before he even got a game. It was old school, make the guy earn his spot. We don't see that anymore, where you go and play a season, mate. Show us what you got, and then we might bring you in mm. at some stage. So he was really made to earn it, and he's probably the greatest player ever to come from Broken Hill. And that's now Giants territory. So there won't be any crows getting him under the... Uh, the pre-signing rule that they were able to get him on as part of an academy area mm. uh, back in those days. Has he got fitter in the last five years than he was? I, I think he works harder now than he used to mm. when he was kicking more goals. Uh, and I think he's, he's been a better player for it. Mm. And he's just been a beautiful player to watch. I love his... He's probably... I don't think I've ever seen a better dual-sided key forward than Tex with his kicking. Mm, he's, been a, he's been a magnificent kick for a long time, both field kick and, and shots at goal. But... Uh, He's he's been a hell of a player over a long time, and his importance this year to their their side is as strong as it ever has yeah. been. It's probably yeah. evident when they did play in Ballarat and he didn't play; he was rested, and yeah. and how much they missed him, sort of in that game with his influence in, inside forward fifty. What do you think about the resting policy? Because Craig McRae was absolutely adamant against it, and uh, other clubs, you know, do it and do it well. Chris Scott's done it and won a premiership. Mm. Um, and, and it was probably only coincidence, but Tex was rested. Maybe there was a subliminal message and everybody uh, took a night off as well or a day off as well. Yeah, it's an, it's an, it's, it's an interesting call. I think you have your set, your set program, but it's, everything you do in footy has to have an element of flexibility about it, I, I personally think. You can't just be so strict in your approach yep. to, to decision-making around that type of thing with, with a particular player, depending on what, what age he is, whether he's young or... Mm. Um, at, at the tail end. We don't know what his fatigue level is on his body. No, they don't. map all that. And they've got a pretty good one, Darren Burgess, at the club. So if his, yeah. his mapping is saying Tex needs a rest, then you've probably got to trust Burgess given Absolutely. his track record. Yeah. They won the following week against the Lions. So mm. I'm, a, I'm a little bit with you as I mm. think they, uh, they took their loss in Ballarat mm. and made sure they got their win against the Lions. Mm. No one will ever admit these things publicly. No. But that, that's how it felt and mm. that's how it ended up playing out. Yep. Well, they certainly uh, played well that on the on the rebound, and then they didn't play so well on the weekend after that. So they're a really interesting group, and we all love the way they've uh, rebounded. They'll probably make the eight, but uh, it's it's going to be tight run. And the the Dugowie scenario is it played out three weeks? Um, how did how did we think that played out? I, I thought he should have got four. You know, I thought I thought the AFL have got to send a statement, and you know, there's there was precedent for four. There was there was a case. Earlier in the in the year, Shane McAdam, who got three, and the boy got up and played and didn't miss the next week. So, to give him only three, I think is uh, was was lucky. But you know, to go, he's a different player than he was, and you know, I, I don't think there was malice in in what he did to a degree. But um, 
he didn't go for the ball in any way, shape or form. And people will say, well, the board handball. But if you look at it, he could have intercepted that handball. So he, he, he was he was prepared to, you know, he set himself to bump him and he did. And he did, unfortunately for him, too good a job of it. Left the ground, got him mm. in the head. So four, four weeks to me is the, is the standard. And I think they should adjust the tables. So next time it is four. Yeah, so the AFL wanted four. Yeah. They just mm. didn't get their well, way well, at the Well, cha- change the tables. I mean, they're in charge of the tables. Don't tell me you want four at the at the tribunal, and then at the end of the year, don't change the tables. So I discussed this with you. Can the MRO in the future have enough boxes to tick to just give him four and say, "Well, challenge it if you like," because it was fairly yeah. it was a fairly straightforward incident compared to you know some of those that are a bit more weird and different. Yeah, it was from the moment it happened. It was it was strange how it became so emotive because it was so straightforward yeah. and so. You just run it through, it was always going to be severe with the concussion that happened. So once you get to the highest level, is mm. what do you want that to read? So if you, if you look well, at the, the table, question three plus. So it doesn't, it doesn't say three, but it says we're starting. These ones start at three and then they go up. Yep. So we've seen sixes, we've seen eights. Well, the tribunal, they referred to the three as that's what they the did. table so spat they out. They didn't think they needed to impose any more than the minimum chips. Yeah in the way that the definitions had come out. Well, I disagree out. with them. Yeah. I'm just I, I'm not quite sure structurally. And, and this, this, so the AFL did their role. They went and mm. said, three plus, this is four. Mm. And they made their cases to why this was four. They used their precedences why it was four. And they got beaten. What are your thoughts on then the way that West Coast have handled this in terms of, yeah, there was the tweet, but also the players and the, the reference around we should have gone in to stick up for our teammate more and in, in, hinds- in, in hindsight. I, I think players will act naturally to the scenario that is presented in front of them. And I think they acted naturally well, to It didn't look extraordinarily to bad to them. Yeah. So their reaction gave an indicator that it was fairly straightforward. He mistimed a mistimed uh, horrible attempt at a bump. Yep. The AFL Nation pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. They've got what you need. It just felt like another West Coast loss, mm. to be honest. The yep. whole scenario. Okay.